Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Amen. Well, it's good to be together, 12 Stone Live, across the campuses, 12 Stone Home, wherever you are. And each week we take a moment to receive the offering, which of course for us is not a charitable contribution. Honestly, it's just an act of worship and it's a very deeply meaningful thing between us and the Lord and it advances the kingdom. And I'm taking a moment because I keep getting asked by several people and we get asked, so how are we doing as a church financially through all this COVID stuff and helping others in year end? And so I'm, I, I know you care deeply. I'm happy to take a moment and, and, and for us to talk about it. And by the way, this, you know, this isn't to get you to give. This is because you give, quite honestly. You're just a stunningly generous church. And I know our heart is for, is for God. So when the whole COVID thing started, uh, behind the scenes, I simply told the lead team in the elder board, I said, we should get ready uh, and plan on a 30-plus percent drop in giving. There's no way this gets sustained over what is unfolding right now. Uh, we received PPP uh, funds like uh, so many others uh, from the SBA, uh, the Small Business Administration, and that to get you through that season. And uh, to, honestly, church, at this stage in life of the church, we didn't drop 30% in giving. We dropped barely 3-plus percent in giving and then Vision 2021 giving. And oh yeah, this is stunning. And with the less expenses, I don't know how to say this without just saying it, we are in a better financial position for the kingdom today than we were a year ago today. I mean, who can even explain that? So much so that this uh, past couple weeks ago, the elder board settled and sent back 100% of all the PPP funds back to the SBA. We have no connection to the government and that kind of funding effort. And that's just how you're giving. And, and we've been as generous as we have ever been as a church. And I just, I want to take a moment, what we get to do together for God's sake. Uh, obviously, you remember early in COVID, all the food, uh, generosity, the knockout hunger, and, and, and into the hundreds of thousands of dollars invested to care for people. We provided health care for thousands uh, of family in low income, a half a million dollars in computers, tech, and Wi-Fi to help disadvantaged kids with at-home learning. Come on, that's awesome. Uh, generous with Eagle Ranch, Chestnut Mountain Ranch, Bearings Bike Shop, Street Grace, which is the whole uh, child sex trafficking that we assist with, and freshwater wells in Africa. All the PPE material stuff we did for doctors and nurses and things to bless them. We're approaching 13,000 in pajamas for jambos for Christmas. Are you kidding me, church? What we get to do together is stunning. Just proud, just proud to be a part of the kingdom and what we do. And we do all this as just a forerunner and expression of the gospel and the hand and the heart of Jesus. And so, yes, COVID has a way of delaying certain dreams for Vision 2021, but not the call of that vision. So we're all in. We'll talk about that as we get into the new year, what we get to be a part in advancing campuses and advancing uh, church planting and what we get to do internally, but all the transformed souls, families, and communities. I can't wait to tell you on Christmas Eve, the amazing story. Just one more example of the hand of God in transforming soul and a family and the like. So church, all this we get to do together is pretty profound. So when we receive the offering and I say, oh, you can text it to 37748. Listen, if you're spiritually unresolved, don't give. Don't. God doesn't want your money. Church doesn't need your money. 
God wants your heart. He loves you deeply. And you can't stop us from giving. We love to be a part of the kingdom. And we long for you to know the joy of Jesus. So church, what we get to do together is an amazing and wonderful thing. And now, Pastor Jason, come on up here. We're going to jump in. We are in book number three. And church... Uh, it is a profound thing when Jesus gave a parable and then turned it to the truth. We're going to do that again today. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, thanks for your anointed covering over Jason. I love how he loves you and his family and his kids and serves your kingdom. But right now, we don't need to hear from Jason. We need to hear from you. Wherever we are on this earth, would you let the power of your word penetrate our hearts? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. And so welcome to 12 Stone here across our campuses, 12 Stone Live, 12 Stone all over the country, 12 Stone all over the world. And we say Merry Christmas to you. I hope you are at this point deep into your Christmas shopping, if not done, because Christmas is coming very quickly. And I just want to take a second and say thank you to all of the people that work in the post office, in FedEx, in Amazon. Can we just say thank you for all that you're doing? Because that would be a crazy job right now. Uh, and so we say thank you to you guys. And I, I saw this on Facebook this week. Uh, I don't know who needs to hear this, but someone out there, you're tracking a package. You just need to hear this. It's in God's hands now. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen uh, this Christmas. See, today we're in the middle of our Christmas series, as Pastor Kevin said. And uh, we're, we're having fun with the story of Christmas, but we're paralleling it with a story of Christmas. And so today we get a chance to unpack that. But first, I want to tell you one of my favorite stories, uh, Barry family Christmas stories. And it involves this little remote control. You see, several years back, my wife and I decided we were done with strings of lights for our Christmas tree. Um, every year, you put the lights on and something doesn't work. So we said, we're getting a tree that's pre-lit. And let me just tell you this, it saved our marriage. It, is, it has been miraculous, the amount of fights that are just done because you, you stick the tree together and it just lights up and you just go straight for the ornament. So a little piece of advice, get that. So it came with a remote control that from across the room I could click the button and it would go from white lights to colored lights to off. And so that was really cool. And this was four or five years ago. My kids are younger. And so what I discovered is you could have some fun with that. <laughs> so I told my kids that if they say Christmas magic and they touch and they don't know about the button, but they say Christmas magic. I'd have the button in my pocket and I'd touch it and the tree would light up and their faces lit up. Oh my goodness, there's Christmas magic. But here was the catch. If they were bad, they lose Christmas magic. And so they didn't, they'd say Christmas magic and the tree wouldn't change. I'd say, man, what did you do today? And they'd start confessing things. Well, I guess at school I did this and I did hit my brother and I said, well, what do you do to make it better? And this was the simple, go get daddy a Coke Zero from the fridge. And suddenly, Christmas magic came back to them again. And, and they realized so quickly that, oh my goodness, I can win and, and lose Christmas magic. And I use this in ways that I'm embarrassed to tell you today in church. But it wasn't until about two years ago, the first time one of my kids heard the click in my pocket when I hit the button. And they went, wait a second. There's a, all these years I've been, I've been your servant. I come up, Papa, what can I get you? And this is how you're treating me. And they realized quite quickly that this has all been a scam. Christmas magic. Now listen, 2020 is a year where it feels like all of us have lost some Christmas magic, isn't it? Man, it's been a tough year for that. See, when I think of Christmas, it's gathering friends and family and all the food and all the good stuff. And this year, some of us are going to be doing Zoom Christmases and this and that and and inside of quarantine, 
some of the decisions we've made, some of the habits we've picked up. We feel like we're more on the, the naughty list than, than the nice list this year. And so we step into Christmas sort of unworthy and questioning. And man, the, the, the magic of Christmas feels like it leaks in this time of year. See, I want to I give you the statement that we're going to sit in today. And this is, this is really important. Here's, here's the overarching thought. The good news of Christmas is not dependent on your goodness. This, this statement should, should start to sit in your soul throughout this teaching. The good news of Christmas is not dependent on your goodness. See, the Christmas story is, is good news. In fact, I want to read it together. We've done it every week, but this story should never get old. For thousands of years, this is from Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, as I would be. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. I bring you what? Say it with me. Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. You see, when I read the Christmas story, I read it, and it's simply put, it's just, it's just good news. The story of Christmas is good news. Why, why is baby Jesus good news? We're going to unpack that together today. But first, we get a chance to sit inside of a Christmas story that we're going to have some fun with today. Elf on the Shelf. You see, if you don't have young kids at home, this is a Christmas story you might be less familiar with. So here's the deal. This, this timeless tale was uncovered way back in the ancient year of 2004. And the author wrote, in the distant and magical land of Grayson, Georgia, she wrote this story of a little elf that shows up as Santa's little scout, and he reports back all the good and all the bad that your kids do. See, without further ado, we get a chance for our friend Travis <laughs> to give us an unhelpful, no, not unhelpful, I'm sorry, <laughs> a little slip of the tongue, an unnecessary recap of Elf on the Shelf. Check it out. Oh, hi. Welcome to Unnecessary Recaps with Travis Billman. I'm your host, Travis Billman. And today we're going to be recapping the book, The Elf on the Shelf. It's explosive, much like this fire. There's an age-old question that gets asked around Christmas time. How does Santa know whether we've been naughty or nice? Well, obviously, by sending an adorable scout elf to spy on you, that's how. <laughs> At least that's what he's been doing since 2005 when this book was released. 
The Elf on the Shelf is a origin story uh, and user manual of how to deal with a precocious peeping Tom sent to you by the North Pole. See, we find out that every house gets sent a scout elf to report back to Santa about whether the kids in the house have been good or bad, keeping an eye on you like a big brother. See, the way it works is when you first meet your elf, you have to quickly name the elf, which creates a kind of emotional codependency between the elf and your child. Bravo, marketing department. Then each night through Christmas magic, the elf returns back to Santa to report on their day, then returns the next morning to the house in a brand new location. This creates the adorable opportunity for your kids to wake up and try to be the first one to find him or her, while at the same time creating a nightmarish expectation upon the parents. It's the perfect combo. Now, a couple of things to be aware of. The elf can listen but can't talk much like the perfect kid. The elf's job is done on Christmas Eve when it flies back to Santa Claus and eagerly waits another 11 months before it can come back and judge you again. And that's basically the elf on the shelf. <laughs> Thank you, Travis. As always, you're very helpful. And I don't say that sarcastically. So the elf on the shelf shows up and watches. And so I, I've sort of watched online. I've seen some of what your elves have done over this Christmas. And, and some of your elves inside of 2020 have, have had to quarantine. Maybe you've had an elf situation like this where you have, to, you have to actually have your elf quarantine for 14 days. Parents, that's helpful for some of you, isn't it? Some of your elves, I know, get tired and they stay in the same spot because of a long day. And that's okay. Sometimes elves do that. Some of your elves need to wear masks to be safe like this one or like this one. I get that. That's a beautiful... Do you know how much they sell that for online? I looked it up this week. $7.99 for that little tiny thing. Anyway, happy elf on the shelf. And so some of your elves do that. Some of your, your elves have been super creative this year. Super creative. Here's a couple ideas. Some of your all, all elves went to the spa. That's awesome. Some played the drums. That's great. Some went on a roller coaster ride with Barbie in the washing machine. Listen, uh, for those of your, your elves that are super creative, if you could like just do us all a solid and stop sharing what your elf does on social media because you make our, our elves look bad. Some of your elves uh, get into trouble and they do some things like this, putting toothpaste in Oreos. But, but in my house, my family's elf, this is what my family's elf does. He's just in the word. You know, he's just hungry for God. Just saying, that's what my elf does. He just needs a little more Jesus in his life. Maybe your elves need some more Jesus. That's okay. Someone's excited about an elf finding Jesus. That, that's the story of elf. See, at the core of elf on the shelf, here's the thought. If I was to tell you a simple thought of elf on the shelf, here's sort of what it does. You're being watched and you better be good. That, that's the nature of elf on the shelf. You are being watched and you'd better be good. See, my kids, every day when they were younger, would look at this elf and go, man, I got to make sure he sees all the good stuff I'm doing. Uh-oh, I, I hit my sister. I better, I better make sure I make up for that. In fact, let me give you a picture for that. Here, here's a picture for what the elf sort of represents. See, on one side, we've got nice. On one side, we've got naughty. And there's a, there's a scale we got from a time machine, apparently, in the 1800s. That's old. But, but here's sort of what the elf does. You say, listen, man, I, 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 I did my chores today. But man, I, I said that word that I shouldn't have said on the bus. The elf knows. Man, I, 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 I actually helped my mom do some vacuuming. And I, I did my homework without having to be asked. But, but man, 
and I, I hit my sister in the, in the backyard on the trampoline, and then I did this good, and I did that bad, and, and, and every day you sort of sit inside of this scale where one action can just take you to the nice list, and one action being gone takes you to the naughty list, and, and this is sort of where the elf on the shelf sits. That every day the scale is cleared and the, and the actions you do, you better be good because the elf's going back to Santa and he's going to report, are you on the nice list today? Are you on the naughty list today? Just one little action can sway back and forth, nice list, naughty list. This is sort of a fear-based approach to Christmas. See, why am I teaching this? Because there are numbers of people that are followers of Jesus that believe this is how it works with God. That God is watching from a throne in eternity and going up, oh, nice list, naughty list every day. Just watching over you going, all right, what did you do good today? What did you do bad today? And, and I, I gain his approval and his love based on one action going that way or that way. And that, that pressure and that anxiety to be good. So how do I know that that there are people who live this way. This year, in the Barna poll, 2020, polled tens of thousands of evangelical Christians. That's us. People who would claim the name of Jesus. 48% believe that if you do enough good things, you can earn your way back to God. Half of us live under that theological weight. Listen, the pressure of being good on your own is exhausting. <laughs> I see it in my kids. I watch my kids get mad at their sister and about to smack. Oh, the elf's watching. Oh the, oh, the pressure of being good is exhausting. And many of us, this is how we actually view God. This is how we actually view our relationship with God. I'm good with God, but then I get in traffic. Oh, he heard the things I said. <laughs> He's everywhere. Man, I know I got to serve my spouse but man, I start to resent her for how selfless she allows me to continue to be. And suddenly I'm on the naughty list with God. Man, I'm good with God. And then, man, there's that website that I, man, I shouldn't have jumped on there. And suddenly I'm on God's bad side again. And we live inside of this monotonous exhaustion. No wonder people think being a Christian is exhausting. I would too if I thought that is how God worked. See, the nature of Christmas is this. The good news of Christmas is not dependent on your goodness. And that's good news for all of us. Because listen, let me be really clear. The good news of Christmas is not dependent on your goodness. You can't earn your way back to God. You have been weighed and you're on the naughty list. Listen, you have to catch this. You have to understand that all of us have already been weighed. And you're on the naughty list. And it's defensive to some of us. You, I'm a pretty good person. Not at your core. We're all on the naughty list. And, and listen, we think that there's someone else on the nice list other than God. And there's just not. Only God is truly good at his core. You have been weighed. And you're on the naughty list. In fact, let me, let me show you what God says about your, your naughtiness, your sin. Here's what scripture says. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Listen, it says in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6 says this, for the wages of sin is death. Listen, sin is not just naughty, it's deadly. 
If we actually want to play this out, this whole scale thing, I'm, I'm naughty, I'm nice, I'm naughty, I'm nice. If you want to really play this out, let me show you what your sin would actually look like. It would actually look like a 20-pound weight. So your sin wouldn't look like a little rock, like, oops, I just messed up. No, it would look like a weight. And if this is true, and God says it is, how many good deeds you pile up doesn't matter. All the good stuff that you want to try to do, it can't counteract the weight of your sin. No matter how many good things that you do, it can't counteract. See, Elf on the Shelf theology tells us, man, you better keep working and striving and doing all the good things and pile up all your good in front of God and say, God, do you accept me now? Do you love me now? God's going, there's nothing good enough that you can do that can counteract the weight of sin. See, the bad news of Christmas is that sin outweighs you. There's nothing you can do to outweigh sin. Sin just simply outweighs you. You can't act good enough, do good enough. You can't earn good enough. Sin outweighs you. See, but the story of Christmas is not the story of the elf on the shelf. Here's the simple thought of Christmas. Here's what God says at Christmas. You're not good, but I've got good news. Let that sit in your soul. You're not good, but I've got good news for you. The story of Christmas is the good news. You're not good, but I've got good news. What is the good news? It's Jesus. Here's what scripture says. Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Praise God. Scripture goes on. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. What does that passage mean, the righteous for the unrighteous? It literally means this, that what Jesus did is he traded his righteousness for your unrighteousness. That Jesus stepped out of heaven. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus stepped out of heaven, and he stepped on the scales in your place. And what God does now is God doesn't weigh you anymore. He weighs Jesus now. Jesus stands in your place. The story, the good news of Christmas is that Jesus tipped the scales in a way that you never could. No matter how many good things you piled on the scale, you'll never get good news because you are not good at the core. You see, the elf is watching. So is God. The elf weighs you and says, man, are you naughty or nice? You get presents on Christmas or do you not? But here's the difference. The elf weighs you, but God weighs Jesus. See, if sin outweighs you, here's what you need to know. Sin outweighs you. But listen, Jesus outweighs sin. You, you, you can't outweigh sin. Sin outweighs you, but Jesus outweighs your sin. And the good news of Christmas is that it doesn't depend on your goodness. Because if it did, you would never have good news on Christmas. But it's so easy to slip into elf on the shelf theology. Man, it's so easy to slip into this theology of thinking, I've got to earn my way to God. If God could just see all the good stuff that I do, maybe he would accept me. Maybe he would love me. If you're honest, some of us have a picture of God like me sitting on the couch with the magic clicker in my pocket. And my kids do the right stuff. They get Christmas magic and the tree lights up for them. If they do bad stuff, I withhold my, my love or my affection for my kids. And some of us sit inside of that. The good news of Christmas is that it doesn't depend on your goodness. And I want all of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to take a deep breath and breathe that in. See, this is profound. 
This is beyond religion and religious. This is a profound, beautiful theological message that happens because of Christmas. That if you're a follower of Jesus, this is your good news. You're no longer being weighed. Jesus was weighed once and for all in your place. And listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, man, be with us for Christmas Eve this year. We're going straight after that. We're going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus here on Thursday and Tuesday at Sugarloaf. Man, don't miss out. Be at 12 Stone Home for Christmas Eve. See, one of the reasons I think we're drawn to Elf on the Shelf is it's assigned God-like qualities. Santa has like God-like qualities. He, he knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. If you say that different, it kind of sounds ominous, doesn't it? Like that's something a stalker would say as well. But also Santa says that. He knows, like that's uh, omniscience. He knows everything. That's a God-like quality. But listen, don't relegate God to the size of Santa and the elf. He's altogether different. Oh, if, if you, if you could understand a sliver of how much God loves you, how loving he is, how quick he is to forgive when we do the naughty list stuff, how fast he will give you his mercy, his grace. This week, I, I was preparing the teaching and I just said, God, I need, to, I need to understand how a father could send his son knowing what was gonna happen to him and God broke me in that moment. The thought, would I send Luke or Lincoln to die for people that don't even love me? Would I, how would I get there? And God overwhelmed me with just how much God loves us that he would send Jesus. My goodness. If we could just catch a glimpse of how much God loves us. See, the elf on the shelf theology positions God as this judge that just every day is watching, he's weighing you, and you never know where you stand with him. If I say Christmas magic, is the tree going to light up this time? I don't know. The story of Christmas is that, listen, the good news of Christmas doesn't depend on your goodness. It depends on Jesus' goodness, and that is good news for all of us. See, perhaps the elf on the shelf book is a really fun family activity, but a really poor theology book. <laughs> My family's elf is named Elfie, and we love it. We have fun with it every year. But, but what if it's a bad place to look for theological advice? See, the elf says, be good. God says, I got good news. That's the good news of Christmas. See, but too often what I see is I see people live short of the true good news of Christmas. I see us living less than what the story of Christmas really is about. And there's two places, I think, that, that I watch people live under. The full weight of the good news of Christmas. Here's the first one. Is that people feel like you need to add to the good news. See, we know the scales. That's good news that Jesus outweighs sin. But there are people who feel the need to add to the good news. And, and the reason you can feel this way is because you can wake up and you can feel yourself start to flip from the nice list over to the naughty list. And you feel this need that, listen, I know what Jesus did, but I've got to do some good things to add to it. And you feel like every day you're having to add to the finished work of Jesus, add to the good news. And I feel this pressure that I, yes, I know what Jesus did, but I still feel like I need to earn it. Listen, it's not good news if you have to qualify every day. See, you, you mess up and you feel like you sin and you feel like you slip on the naughty list. And so you go to church, you read your Bible and you pray. 
Those things are all good things. But why you do them is the big deal. Listen, those things are great things. I'm not saying don't do them. But why you do them, are you doing them for relationship or from relationship? Don't miss this. Are you doing the good things because you're trying to earn a relationship with God? Or are you doing good things because you already have a relationship with God and you are operating from that love and from that power and from that freedom? See, it's not, it's not just what you do, it's why you do it. Let me give you a story. It's a couple years ago, uh, maybe eight, ten years ago, I was in a counseling session with a couple. And I'll, I'll tell you, it was one of the most odd experiences of my life in, in marriage counseling. So the couple comes in, and I said, what's going on? And the wife begins to paint a picture that confused me. She said, man, every single week, probably three times, he'll bring home flowers for me. And then every weekend, he plans these crazy romantic gestures that, man, he set up a picnic over here, and he, he, he surprised me and flew me out here to do a little weekend getaway, and then he does this, and he's always buying me this and this, and I'm going... What's the problem? Some of you ladies are going, does he have a phone number? Are they still together? <laughs> like, what's the problem, dude? Like, this guy's killing it. She said, no, no, no. We started to unpack their story. He came from a broken home situation. And he had a dad who never showed him love, never said, I'm proud of you. And so he had this thing inside of him that he felt unworthy of ever having a long-term relationship. He felt like literally every day he woke up, he felt like I've got to prove to my wife that I'm a good husband, that I got to prove to her that I'm worthy of her staying in marriage with me. And the wife was exhausted. And she said to him, I'll never forget it. She looked at him. She said, I already picked you. I already said I do. You don't have to prove it and earn it every day. We helped them walk through a journey of months where he had to sort of deal with the daddy stuff inside and the hole that was left when his dad never said he loved you. And what he, what he discovered and what his wife discovered was that once he realized that she loved him and she chose him and she picked him and she's, she and him are now one, he was able to buy her flowers, not out of fear, but out of freedom. And listen, the story of Christmas invites all of us. Listen, the story of Christmas invites you to move from living out of the fear that God's going to reject you and the fear that God makes you earn it to the freedom. See, the good news of Christmas, that it's not dependent on your goodness, but listen, here's the other part. Your goodness is the result of the good news of Christmas. See, when we do good things because we're followers of Jesus, that's the result of what Jesus did for us at Christmas. See, I don't do good things to earn my way back to God, but I do good things because God has changed me from the inside out. See, I go to church not to earn God's love, but because, man, I love to be among God's, God's people and to worship and thank him and lift his name up. See, it's not dependent on you, and some of us feel like you need to add to the good news. And if you've been around church for a while, man, it's easy to slip into that, that hamster wheel running and performing for God. And what if, what if this picture of the scale that we sort of all grew up in in the church, that God loves me, he hates me, he accepts me, he rejects me, depending on what I do, what if God's saying, you can throw the scale away if you've accepted Jesus, because I weigh him now instead of you? And what if God says, listen, once you say yes to Jesus, you get to live in the freedom of that? For some of you, 
Maybe this Christmas, God wants to invite you into the freedom of the good news. That once you bow and confess that, God, I come up short, I am on the naughty list. But because of Jesus, I can be on the nice list. Maybe God would invite you into the freedom of that. To step off the hamster wheel of performing. You don't have to add to the good news. Jesus did it all for you. You just have to bow your heart and your life. And there's another group that I think we, we fall short of the true size and scale of the good news of Christmas. And here's how. We can feel like we outgrew good news. Listen, if, if you walk with Jesus long enough, you can begin to feel like I'm a pretty good person. <laughs> you can begin to believe that the things I do might not have got me on the nice list, but they sort of keep me there. And that I, I, I keep performing for God because that's what keeps me on the nice list. Listen, grace is the only thing that keeps you on the nice list. But you can be around the things of God long enough that you think some part of your goodness is what keeps you on the nice list. You can begin to feel like you've outgrown the need for the grace that Jesus has for you. And it's subtle. I'll never forget, I was 18. My senior year of high school, and I was, you know how it gets with a father and son when there's like, now there's like two men in the house, and I'm trying to be big, bad, alpha male. My dad's like, nah, it's not going to play well here, son. So I, I leave my house thinking I've outgrown my need for my dad. I wouldn't have said it that way, but I really thought I outgrew my need for dad. And my freshman year, driving down the interstate in college, I rear-end somebody in my car. Who do you think my first phone call to? My dad. Hey, pops. <laughs> Need some help here. I don't know what to do. What's the next phone call? See, some of us, you, you, you've, you've grown up inside the house of God. Your heavenly father sort of, you feel like, I don't, I don't really need him like I used to. See, if you truly understood the weight of your sin, you'd realize, oh God, the good news of Christmas is not old and is not stale. It's as fresh and as new and as needed now as it was 5, 10, 20, whenever the first time you said yes to Jesus was. It's just as needed. See, maybe what God wants to do inside of this Christmas season. If you're on that list, if you feel like I've outgrown the need for the good news, maybe, maybe God would take Christmas 2020 amidst a global pandemic, shutdowns and social distancing and all the crazy, maybe God would use this year to bring you back, to reignite your gratitude for the good news that God has for you. Maybe God would take you back. Yesterday in prayer, it was said this way. And think about the thousands of years of people prophesying in the Old Testament. Man, there's a Savior that's coming. The Messiah is coming. Finally, Christmas, the earth shakes as God enters human flesh. And now for thousands of years, billions of Christians have told that story looking back to that moment. And what if God wants to bring us back and reignite our love and our gratitude and our dependence on him in Christmas 2020? See, when you get a right-sized view of what God did in sending Jesus at Christmas. I think our response would look a lot like what the angels' response was in Luke 2. Here's what the angels did. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Glory to God. Glory to God. See, the angels sort of knew the plan. They knew what God was doing, and their only response to that was worship. 
See, I think an appropriate response for us is simply to worship. See, when you see the good news and you realize there's nothing you can add to it to make it better, when you realize that the good news is not dependent on your goodness, how good you were today, how bad you were today, when you realize you have nothing to offer God, what you do is you say, God, I offer you my worship. I stand humbly before you and I say, God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the love that sat inside of you that fueled your desire to sacrifice your son so that we could be made right with you, so that he could step out of heaven and step onto the scales in our place. Oh, God, thank you. I could sit and say thank you for the next 20 years, and it, it wouldn't add up to enough. God, thank you for what you did. So we don't invite us here, 12 Stone Live, 12 Stone Home, the campuses. We're going to end in worship. So I think that's the only appropriate response to the good news of Christmas. And maybe here, the campuses will stand in a minute. Maybe at 12 Stone Home, this is the first time maybe you'll stand for worship. Maybe you're used to laying back on the couch. But listen, the good news requires our best effort in worship. So maybe you'll stand in your living rooms today and you'll worship. But listen, I, I, I believe what God wants to do in Christmas 2020 is I believe he wants to bring us back the size, the scale, the depth of love that is the good news of Christmas. So let's stand here across the campuses. Let's stand at 12 Stone Home and let's worship and thank God for all that he's done for us in the good news of Christmas. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.